Roll Tide, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama. And after what we just saw Bama do to that bunch from South Bend, the first word that comes to mind to me today is just wow. You know, after a month-long build-up to the biggest game of the year, after hearing how the Notre Dame nose guard was unlike anything we'd seen, and after listening to dozens of detractors list the factors that would lead to that little leprechaun dancing an Irish jig on our BCS championship gig, the Crimson Tide stormed into South Beach and put it out of reach by halftime. Before the game, there was a very real possibility it could be the highest-rated BCS championship game in history. And ESPN was salivating about that potential rating. But the misery Bama inflicted on Notre Dame in the first quarter made the outcome a moot point by the second quarter. So by the third quarter, the only surfing the folks rooting for Rudy was doing was with a remote. The idea we'd not seen a defense like Notre Dame's was delusional. The notion that the commotion their front seven could cause us completely disregarded the defenses we faced in our conference schedule, not to mention the fact that we always get our rivals' best shot because they usually come out white hot. Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss all played us tougher than the Irish, and the video's available, by the way, to anybody that wants to take a look. So we want to give our guys another round of applause because they didn't let the wishful thinking of the fifth estate fool with their focus. And that gets back to leadership, and we've got the best there is, y'all. In his last eight seasons as a college coach, counting one title at a previous coaching position, Coach Saban's won four national championships with three of them in the last four years with the Tide. We've seen a lot of success over the years at Bama, but in an era of limited scholarships, stringent academic standards, complicated compliance issues, and a conference championship game against an elite opponent in most years, what he's accomplished at the school we hold near and dear is Hall of Fame worthy. And we are so fortunate to have, once again, the best coach in college football running our program. And while we're handing out kudos, I can't go without a heartfelt shout-out to Mal Moore. Coach Moore owns 10 national championship rings, and he's won 17 SEC championships as either a player, a coach, or an athletic director. He's overseen the largest expansion of our athletic facilities in its history. And when he brought Coach Saban to the University of Alabama six years ago, it was the most important hire since Frank Rose taught Coach Bryant into answering Mama's call in 1958. There are so many great things to talk about after that beat down at the beach that we won't even get to all of them today, but we got some highly qualified help on hand to do it, and I'm looking forward to what he has to say. Now, he played DB at Bama under Ray Perkins in 85, 86, and 87, and then had a seven-year career with the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL, and he's part of one of Alabama's greatest football families. Chris Good, can I get a roll tide? Roll tide, roll Man, tide. Great game. Where do we start? Goodness gracious. It's hard. Beginning or the end. He started the end and it's still good. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the buildup. Like I say, we're going a month with this thing, and everybody, all the TV people, all the writers are, are, are wanting it, I guess, to be an, an even game. Uh, and I fell into that trap, too. I'm thinking it's going to be a four point, seven point, ten point game. Uh, They're writing about this and that, Notre Dame's defense, Notre Dame's nose guard, Notre Dame's linebacker. What was it in that first two or three possessions that you, you know, as a former player, somebody that's had a professional career, when you're watching that, when when you were looking at that first quarter, what was that telling you? First quarter, what I saw, Alabama line up, it just took it to them. From even the first play when they said, you know, 
when Lacey got that one yard and then we came back, you know, with the, I think it was like a little pass, like 20 some yard pass we had. Yep. It was just one of those things where, you know, once you saw that, you knew the game was over because the Alabama just started taking it to them. And it, it's funny how in these big games, all of a sudden Kevin Norwood shows up. Yes. You know, he's going to catch those balls over on the sideline and turn up. Uh, I, I agree. And that second run we had, he busted up the middle. That's another thing. Uh, we saw that chart uh, on our rushing yardage, you know, where it was out to the left, in the middle, and to the right. And the bulk of our rushing yardage was right up the gut against Lewis Nix, that nose guard that was supposed to be the brick wall that we weren't going to be able to do anything with. Right. That, now, that was one thing that, you know, the buildup for those for the last, what, 37 days? Oh, goodness. They talked about how Notre Dame in the red zone and on the field and how bad, you know, how good the, the defensive line was, the nose guard, and that Alabama guys, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to run the ball. And I really kind of got ticked off about it because I've seen <laughs> Alabama run the ball very well, you know, all year with the two running backs. On the you SEC know, East the S- champ. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, I just not can't I can't see Notre Dame stopping them, especially from looking at some of the games they played in the past. Now they, they played well, you know, in the red zone, but you know it was just one of those things where you just keep looking at it and thinking to yourself, I cannot see Notre Dame stopping us in the red zone. You know, number one, we don't have to have the red zone to beat them, and 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 basically, in the, in, you know, during the course of the game, the beginning of it, we didn't, we really didn't have to do it. But each time, whenever they, you know, we ran the ball, we ran it right where they say we couldn't run it. And that's up the middle. Yeah, well, that first uh, touchdown run of, of Eddie's, uh, we were out, uh, just at the edge of the red zone, went right up the middle, right through the middle linebackers, passing those guard and the safeties, and all they were doing is waving at him when he went by. Yeah, right to the guys that they say they were the best in college football on defense. Yeah, I wish he'd Ran just flip the ball to the band because they were sitting right there. Yes, because I think they said he missed, had, what, missed three tackles the whole year. In this game, it was, what, three or four tackles that he missed? It may have been on the first possession. <laughs> you know, now, another thing about that first possession, too, Notre Dame had not given up a drive of more than 75 yards all season in 10 games. We went 82 yards on our first possession and knocked it in there and then was kicking off before they knew what hit them. Well, I tell you, I, I think they had a lot of things went out of the window for them on this game. From the red zone to what they hadn't had. They, and I, I'm sure they never seen two backs that go over 100 yards either. Well, we we had four drives of over 75 yards in the game. And uh, just a few statistics. Uh, We won't spend too much time on these numbers, but uh, these are worth repeating. In first downs, Alabama had 28. Notre Dame had 16. Rushing yardage. We rushed 45 times for 265 yards. They ran 19 times. They only ran the ball 19 times had 32 net yards rushing. We passed the ball. We were, A.J. was 20 of 28 for 264 yards. They were 21 of 36 with one interception. Uh, the, the great play HaHa made uh, for 270. So they were competitive in their short passing game, but it didn't do them any good because it had 32 yards rushing. You know, uh, Northridge High School could have done that against us. Yeah. When you get in a game like this, and, and I've seen, you know, this happened from playing myself and other teams playing. When you have a team, especially when they had you know Notre Dame ranked number one, you know that's simply because they hadn't lost a game and we had. Sure, but you know you get to the point where you know 
you're the team that everybody hates at one some point in time. And Notre Dame's like that because they're, you know, they're one oh, winning yeah. team, you know, just like Alabama. And so, and then now this year they hate Alabama just simply because of the SEC winning all the national championships. So they switched from Notre Dame to Alabama and say, okay, we want the SEC to lose now. And, and see, I'm old enough that I know what that's like. I've been to that dance before. Because I, I saw the 60s and the 70s, uh, the 80s and the 90s. And, of course, in the middle of that, you know, Coach Stallings had some good years too. True. So it's it's over the last 50 years, there haven't been a whole lot of years when we weren't in the mix. And, and I, I get the feeling too that there's still a, a real easy for a lot of the national media to kind of look at the South and Alabama in particular and kind of hope somebody else is doing well. You know, I was talking to Mark here just a few minutes ago before we got started that one thing nobody mentioned on that broadcast last night was our starting quarterback is a redshirt junior that's already got his bachelor's degree. He's got another year of athletic eligibility, and he's already got his degree. The starting center, Barrett Jones, who's probably going to be the most highly decorated player in the history of the school for all he's done. Uh, completed his athletic eligibility. He was a uh, fifth-year senior, and he got a master's degree. But now if you start talking about those things, it starts bursting the bubbles of all those stereotypes that people seem to want to hang on to in some cases when it comes to Alabama and teams from the South. So uh, it's too bad that the national media that obviously did a lot of research didn't spend a little more time looking into what our guys really do and what they're like as people. Yeah, I think they spent a lot of time looking at AJ's girlfriend on television. I because they did that too many times. Well, I'm <laughs> letting not, everybody know that it's AJ's too. girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna rewind the tape and look at it again. Hey, all in the newspaper on the internet. I said, well, you know, like one of my friends told me today, said, well, she went from. 300 hits to almost 3,000 hits. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, if she's got a Facebook page, that thing's going off like popcorn oh, right yeah. now. Goodness <laughs> gracious. And she looked good in that Alabama jersey, didn't she? Yeah, especially being an Auburn fan yeah. or, or what, graduate from Auburn? Well, or, that's uh, about the only way she was going to get to the national championship <laughs> wow. game this year. <laughs> I'll step away from that one, but it's true. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, another thing, another thing. I, in fact, I was, uh, I just got, came across this this morning and realized it. But Alabama, uh, our freshmen, uh, we led the nation in yardage by freshmen on offense this year. Wow. You know, and obviously Amari Cooper and TJ Yeldon played a large part in that. But that's what's so amazing is we've got our starting quarterback coming back, we've got our most explosive receiver coming back. Uh, that we know of mm-hmm. so far, TJ's coming back, and we don't know that Eddie's leaving. You know, so yeah. it's not like, and we've this team has only got seventeen seniors on it, and only eleven of them play. And of those eleven, there's only nine that actually, you know, play a lot of snaps. Yeah. So if we don't have a whole bunch of them leave as juniors and declare early for the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're not doing a whole lot of reloading next year. And the kids – and, gosh, we've got 10 or 12 coming in in January. Yeah. And I I, – you know, to me, I I think Lacey will leave. I I really, really think that because you got to think about it. He's a junior. He just did what MVP of the game. Um, And my thinking, I think he would go late first round now just because of what he done yesterday. All right. And and I think if he came back next year – you know, what he possibly win another national championship, but you think he'd do any better for is his draft position. You know, because running back wise, they're not drafting running backs as fast. So you don't know if he can get, you know, do any better come next year, no more and just stay stagnant and where he's at, and that's it. 
and especially being his size and style, he, he's big enough to take the pounding. I would hate to be a defense back and oh try my, to hit him. Oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, you know, like that Merrill Lynch bull coming up through there, you know. But he, uh, here's the great thing about the running back position. Okay, let's 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 say for purposes of conversation that Eddie leaves. Well, we got TJ coming back. Uh, Jalston Fowler will be coming back assuming he recovers from his injury and he looked pretty good in sweats yesterday. I saw mm-hmm. him there on the sideline moving mm-hmm. around and helping out with warmer. D Hart will be coming back. Uh, Brent Calloway still at running back. Now we've got three kids coming in as true freshmen and at least a couple of them are coming in in January. And these are very highly rated running backs. So, you know, and what's amazing is that this year, TJ, as the number two running back, had a thousand yards rushing, probably getting what thirty-five or forty percent of the snaps at most. Yeah. I don't think you know. Even Felicia leaves, I don't think we'll lose too much of anything for his running back wise because the other guys come in. You know, you got TJ there. Then you have the the ones that you know other guys that didn't play that much or one they have coming in as a freshman as well. I think I, I, we still will be, we'll do real well. Now, real well. Real now, well. on that touchdown pass, he caught on the middle screen where he caught it, catches it on the delay over the middle, mm-hmm. and then puts that spin on that backer. That's big league. You, you know, I've never seen a guy as big as his that could run, stop on a dime, and spin like, like that. a ballet now, dancer. The only one I really can see do that was Barry Sanders. But you know he's a lot, you know, smaller. Yeah, we're <laughs> smaller than Lacey, But but it's just you know you know you we see a big guy like that coming towards you, and you're thinking to yourself, number one, you really thinking to yourself that you don't want to hit him, so you're timid. So when you come there and you think about, well, okay, well, I really got to do this still. But yet it's still when you try that, if he make a spin on you, then you're like, wow, what happened? And, and There's if, a big ballerina. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't tackle Eddie grabbing his arm or grabbing at his jersey. Oh no. No, because he, he brings everything he's got. And, and there was a couple of those carries last night, too, where uh, from the defensive side of the ball, where you could see him change direction four or five times and run. And quite honestly, as much as I've watched him, I didn't realize he was that shifty. Well, and I, and I think in this game, since he had so much time to, you know, from I think his ankle, turf toe and all he's that, healthy. The heel, he's healthy. You know, and, Fresh. And, yeah, because when you look at him during the years from last year, you know, when he, and in what I think the early part of the year, he was running that way. And so, you know, when you get a turf toe and you have ankle issues and all that, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. I've had that playing defensive back, and it's, it's, it's no fun at all. It's you can't hard. push, stop, plant. You know, you just, you're really there and just hoping yourself when you stop that it doesn't pain you that much. Uh, that's, that's amazing. You know, the, uh, in the offensive line, goodness gracious. Wow. That's, you know. What can you say? It's not too much no more. And like, hey, get the whole offensive line MVP. Uh, it's that whole MVP. All, the all, every, yeah. every on on the offensive line. There should, <laughs> I, I could see having five game balls last night. Yes, without and, a doubt. You know, uh, because again, uh, the lead up to the game was all about Notre Dame's front seven against our offensive line, strength versus strength. Because the game was really about that matchup. When we were on defense and Notre Dame was on offense, Notre, like like we said, Notre Dame was somewhat competitive, and they had a little success in that short passing game. Now, like we oh, yeah. said, didn't do them a whole lot of good because they only had 32 yards rushing. I mean, once you become one-dimensional, you don't have to stop one thing. True. But, but when we were on offense – and Notre Dame was on defense, and of course, a couple other guys got bunged up, got hurt, twisted ankles, and that kind of thing. We did anything we wanted to pretty much all night. Now they made a few plays, 
but they didn't make enough plays to keep us from having 529 yards in total offense, and we weren't really pressing the issue in the second half. Yeah, that type of yardage tell you who won the game Ooh, and who who dominated the you know the game. Time of possession. Alabama had the ball for 38 minutes and 13 seconds. Notre Dame had it for 21 minutes and 47 seconds. We had we had time of possession more than a full quarter more than they did. They had actually less than two quarters, a quarter and a third's possession time. We were 8 of 13 on third down conversions. They were 2 of 8. We were 5 for 5 in the red zone that they're supposed to be so good at. Uh, they were 2 and 2, but I think they only got down there twice. Yeah. And by the time they got there, the, ga- the game was over. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing, Steve, I'm th- I think you've been thinking about since last night in the day is that how the media, you know, was really pumping you know, the Notre Dame up a lot, saying, okay, you know, this is what Notre Dame has to do to beat Alabama. And, and I think since the game is over, I hope they don't go the route to say, well, Notre Dame really wasn't the team that we think they were because it's still the same team that you was pumping up from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that hasn't changed. So, you know, what, what they need to do is say, hey, Alabama was just a better team. And some have, have said that. And so, you know, we just came out and we played football. We played real down south football. That's what we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just called a fanny whipping is yes, what it's called. Yes, and I clean yes. that up a Being good a lot bit. of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a family show. <laughs> you know? Now, now going over to the defensive side of the ball, where we, we hadn't spent as much time talking about that, uh, I thought we did a pretty good job on that. Now, they had 302 yards total offense. They made a few plays. Uh, so you got to you know give credit where credit's due. But they never really hurt us with any one thing. And then, of course, when they get down there close late, uh, was it Vinny that tipped the ball up back there on that wide out when Ha Ha made that great catch? Yep. Ball that got tipped up. Then mm-hmm. over there by the corner uh, near the sideline. goes Milner, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes that flying leap and catches the ball. And he's got those two guys under him, mm-hmm. you know, and then still gets that toe down and, and we get the ball. And then we also go 97 yards to score on that turnover. But defensively, what what did you see as as a player uh, that enabled us to uh, to basically control the game? Well, I think we we you know number one we controlled the quarterback the quarterback real well you know he he you know stepped up and stepped up you know in the box and he and then he fl- they flushed him out but the, every time when they flushed him out they would always keep him in front of the, front of them so he could not get around the corner. You know, with the ball, he did so, a lot of east and west. Yes, and and, and I, I think that helped a lot because when you you're running one way and you're trying to throw a pass, it's hard to throw a back cross field. You know, you can have guys open, but if you try that pass, you know, most of the time it will be intercepted. Now he got some passes down the field on the sideline that he threw that were great catches. But now I, I you know I think we just you know the coverage and like a lot of time we was in kind of a zone which which. You know, the defense back, you know, did a pretty good job. You know, then you got to think about it. D. Milner is really the only guy back there that's had a lot of playing time. The other guys are still learning. You, you know, and I think some of the guys had a little bit of injuries as, as back there also. But, you know, overall, you know, with the guys that's coming back, you know, besides D. Milner, because I'm sure he's gone, they'll be a lot better next year. And, you know, it, it, was young, it was a young crew. That's what they are. You know, there were if a lot. If you look at it, they didn't play yeah. a lot of them. They didn't play last year. So, which, you know, and they did a good job. Well, we at the start of the year, 
Uh, the first game against Michigan, there were only f- uh, only four guys out there that started last year. Yeah, Coach Saban did it. He did a very good job with it this year with the whole team. You know, you know, it's not much he had to do with the offense, but the defense. He did. A, he did an excellent job. I'm just wondering, uh, like some other people have speculated, if if this wasn't possibly the best coaching job our staff's done on defense since he's been there, because like I said, I mean. A lot of the guys that played so many snaps for us and they were so good last year, they playing on Sunday, and they're not sitting on the bench either. Yeah. They're starting. And you're right. You know, this year, I, I, you know, I really thought we would have lost two or three games just simply because you know we had new faces, new you know on, on defense. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking yeah. that simply because of the defense, not the offense. Sure. So yeah. because most of the time, you know, as you know, and everyone knows, you know, that's where you win. You gonna win on defense a lot of times if you can control. The play and the ball and, and stop the scoring, you win. If the other team that's doesn't score, Notre, you can't lose. Yeah, that's what Notre Dame didn't do yesterday because that's what they're depending on the defense, and that didn't happen for their defense yesterday. Well, you know, I thought uh, from a strategy standpoint, I thought Notre Dame made uh, made a few odd moves offensively, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, that trying to really put the put the game in the hands of a redshirt freshman quarterback no matter how talented physically he might be and he's obviously a good athlete uh but you got to be there's not many johnny footballs around yeah well you know the first mistake they made is when (laughs) the coach said the one that makes the most mistakes will win the game Uh oh. so you know i don't know what kind of psychology that was well, I think when he I, made that statement, it, 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 I was like, "Wow, did he really say that?" You know, then they have two or three penalties on the first drive. Yeah, and, you know, so that's it, you know that was and, and AJ comes out and has four touchdown passes, and you almost don't notice it because the offense is so balanced and so seamless last night that well, that's just part of what we do. You know, it, it was beautiful. Lacey twenty rushes for one hundred and forty yards. Yeldon twenty one rushes uh, for one hundred and eight yards. You know, so the uh, the it's just amazing. That's running the ball. Uh, yeah, that's a, a good offense. You know, then you look at uh, AJ. I think uh, the media and a lot of people don't give him a lot more more credit than he deserves. They don't want he's, to. He he's a good solid quarterback. Yeah, you know, and, and they just don't you know look at him because you know say well he's playing in the system. Well, anywhere you go from high school, college, little league, NFL, you got to play in the system. So sure. what difference does it make? I rather have a guy play in the system. I win a national championship that doesn't play in the system and be Johnny Football, and you still don't make the national championship. So what? Yeah, if you're out there freelancing, that's fine if you can make it work. Yeah, but against good players, against good defenses that are disciplined, guys that know where to line up, guys that play their responsibility, guys that don't get out of position, that doesn't always fly. Yes, you know. Uh, another good point, uh, Cade Foster last night, uh, four touchbacks. I think we kicked off seven times, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Four of them were touchbacks. Did a great job on that. Uh, you know, another thing uh, a lot of people haven't mentioned or talked about, Jeremy Shelley. Of course, he wasn't real busy except for kicking point after touchdown last night. He didn't miss a kick this year. Wow. He didn't miss a field goal or a point after, a conversion attempt. Didn't miss all year. How many but, years do you see that? But, you know, that's part of game that really goes unnoticed in football. You know, you know, until someone really, you know, look at the stats, hey, he didn't miss a field goal or PAT this year. And then you think to yourself, like, really? Did <laughs> so, you know, and that's, that's kind of hard to believe when you look at it. And then when you say it to someone, it's like, okay, you're right. I don't remember him missing anything. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, and, and let's face it, it only takes one point to win or lose a game. And I told a bunch of my buddies yesterday before the game, because I was nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, you know, I'd settle for one point. Because when there's four zeros on the clock and we got one more point in the other team, it's good as 100. That's, that's all it takes, because in the end, all you're going to say, this was the winner, this was the loser. Oh, yeah. The um, Oh, I loved that. The uh, Especially, you know, again, like we're talking about, time of possession, third down, conversions, red zone. Um, kicking game two, uh, as far as coverage on kickoff, which we've struggled a little bit at times uh, with that. We did a good job on that last. They didn't get anything on the returns they had, mm-hmm. you know. What uh, what are the things, though, you know, as a former player again, that stick out the most to you in the game? There's a, a player maybe nobody talks about, a player maybe nobody notices, but the things as somebody that's got a professional background that – that you you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, that kid's well coached or that kid's really got something on the ball. Well, the thing, well, the thing is, just like you said, some, uh, one of the kids well co- well coached, that's disciplined, and you can tell that he's listening and follows his assignments. Because you know, if you're doing that, especially in, in Coach Saban's system, and you know, once you get in NFL, you know, most coaches are gonna look at it and think and say to themselves, you know, this guy right here has played under a terrific coach. He's 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 playing in the system. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's never out of, out out of alignment. He's never he's never out of position. And you know, the NFL teams love that because if you go there and you're playing your own style of football, you will not be there. Long. They don't have time so, for remedial no. coaching. <laughs> and, and Coach Saban knows that. And that's why that's what he teaches. Hey, you know, you got to play in the system. You got to play, you know, as a team because you know you have too many guys yep. that don't play as a team. And the most teams that do that, they're the ones sitting at home when that's the championship. Uh, weekend comes. Yeah, you know, it's uh, C.J. Mosley had an interesting comment uh, in an interview after the game, uh, and I've just got all the respect in the world for him. He's a heady player. He's really very much a quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, they were asking him about, you know, how exciting it was and the celebration was that going on and all that kind of thing, and he said, well, you know, really it was kind of like uh, all the games we play feel like big games, but it was like just another game because by the time we got to the game, you know, we practiced for a month. It we felt like we'd already played it two or three times because they get so well prepared and they they cover the coaching staff so meticulous and so uh, well thought out that, that by the time they get to the game, they've been in just about every situation they're going to be in that Notre Dame's going to present, uh, and, and you can tell there's a comfort level. You and I were talking just a few minutes ago before we got started about there were times in the game when Notre Dame looked like a little flustered on defense or a little confused, getting lined up late. And that goes back to preparation, and that goes back to coaches spending time in the film room and in meetings before the players even show up for practice, doesn't it? Yes. I tell you, it's nothing better than being a player and you have, you know, your coaching staff that's really prepared you for a game and you know some of the tendencies and some of the things they're doing, you know, during the well, before the game, you know, you know, naturally, you know, if you're practicing all of it, you, you know, your mind says that because this is what we worked on. If they do this, if they do this, we don't do this. So if you're prepared and mentally you're thinking to yourself, like, we've went over everything that the coaches staff has told us that they may do, you know, they're not throwing anything in here at the last minute because a lot of times you do that to young kids, everything goes out of the window. They, they kind of forget a lot of things. So, you know, and I, and I know with Coach Saban's staff, they went over probably so much with them and said, you know, these are the main things, these are the things that they're going to do that I, we think we, they're, they're doing. And, and, and as a, a young player like that, you know, 
and a coach that has did all of everything he's can he can do and say, hey, player, this this is it. This is it right here. And you feel good. And you feel confident. And when you're not confident, when you're going over things and all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, they might do this now. You know, you can't tell a young guy that. <laughs> well, you know, another thing, too, is and we've, we've touched on this somewhat before. But talking to guys like Brandon Gibson and some of the guys that have been on the team under Saban, especially corners and safeties, people that have been playing in dime and nickel positions, you know, by the time they've been there a year or two, basically what they're doing, the coaches are doing, is teaching them all those positions because they're so related and they're, they're so uh, connected that by the time these guys have a real grasp of any spot they play in the secondary, they're almost prepared to coach it by the time they graduate because they know every every position in the secondary and i can see how um you know by the time they're juniors and seniors um even if you're a great athlete it takes a while oh yeah you know because you if you you can be a great athlete but if you're in the wrong place covering the wrong guy at the at the wrong time bad things happen oh yeah and and, and, you know that kind of feeling right there when you have someone that has taught you everything you know from the standpoint being in college, is just knowing you say, okay, I, I can play this position, I can play this position if if I need to. You know that makes that player feel so confident uh, and and good about what he's doing that it's a lot of you know a lot of other things because he don't really have to think too much to them because when you get guys that sitting out there playing a position, they thinking the whole time doing process of the play then they have issues because you already got it running your mind when they're going to line up in a formation. If you got a call, say okay. This to call we're in. If they do this, I do this. That's it. Instead of a guy thinking, well, okay, you know, what's going on? If he, you know, when you got someone doing that, I've seen it enough in the NFL when guys come in and, and they're thinking too much about it and you got to pull them to the side. Hey, you get, you have to call. You just got to know what your changeup is. And that's it. Don't even worry about anything else. You know, so, you know, and that's what a lot of guys lose at that because once I got in the NFL, that's to be honest, you know, that's when I really started learning how to play defensive back. You know, I was a good athlete. I could run a 4-3, but I did not at the time. You know, I knew corner. I knew I had to play man, but it's a lot of things that I didn't know. But, see, the good thing about it, they have a coach down there right now teaching them everything they need to know by the time they get in the NFL. And I wish I had that when I was playing because I probably would have been first round or first or second rounder then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would have enough money to buy me uh, lunch. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, take a guy like Barrett Jones, too. He he's won three national championships in a career at tackle, at guard, and at center. Now, now as far as uh, thinking about in terms of the NFL, he's not huge. He's uh, average size. Uh, I don't know if he's a great athlete. He's a good athlete, not a great athlete, not an elite athlete. But he knows the offense as well as anybody out there. He's played three positions on the line. He could probably. He could probably go straight into an as graduate assistant position as a coach, but if you're an NFL team, you got to look at somebody like Barrett Jones and say, "Well, you know, uh, he might not be the biggest, strongest, fastest guy in the world, but we're not going to have to teach him near as much as a lot of guys, and he can play three positions." Yeah, if I was an NFL team owner, coach, whatever, I'd take it may a chance. Be, on I would him. take a chance on it because you know you, you don't find too many guys that play that three positions. In that amount of time. And then you definitely don't find schools that win 
three national championships. You know, because I wish I had been. I was on a team in four or five wow. years. I can win three or four national championships. <laughs> Man, that's that's when they start naming streets and stuff after you. Oh, uh, yes. You yes. know. Okay, now, you in the NFL, you got buddies all over the country. They all played college ball and then played in the league and everything. Have you heard from what, – what are they telling you since last night? I tell you, Steve, all this started <laughs> when once Alabama won in Georgia, you know, with me playing up in Annapolis, you got South Bend. So oh, I would get okay. calls. I got I started getting calls the night Alabama was announced. Well, they they the national championship against Notre Dame. So it was on so, the minute yeah. the game. So was I, over. I got calls from guys that I had played with in Notre Dame, you know, people up in Indianapolis, you know, the area that I knew, like, oh well, we'll be in South Beach, uh, we coming down, you know, we we were ruin the SEC's uh uh run. And so, you know, the whole time I was just laughing about it. I said, Well, I said, you know, that would be good if you could, you know, for you all if you could. I said, but it will not happen. I said, you all hadn't really played a team yet. I said, you're getting ready to play one on, on, on January the 7th. And then one of the friends, he just laughed about it and said, you really think so? I said, oh, I know. <laughs> I said, I believe me. I said, you wait. And now after the game, you know, I tried to call him. With the line would, busy, would not answer the telephone. Won't answer the would phone. Would not answer the phone. Was the voicemail even picking up? I think somebody. I think all it was full. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I kept get, kept you know jumping, saying, hey, "The person you call is not available." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they sure aren't. <laughs> you know the uh, what? Uh, okay, let's shifting gears now. Uh, let's say all of a sudden Coach Saban calls you and says, "Hey, Chris, we need some help with a kid we're recruiting." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's. Good kid, good athlete, doesn't know where he wants to go to school. Of course, he's like most of them. He wants to play in the league one day. But I want you to talk to him. You tell him what you tell him what you think. You you went to the university. You're an Alabama grad. You played in the league. Tell give him your take on why you think he ought to go to Alabama instead of someplace else. Well, I, I think first thing, you know. We know that most likely wouldn't happen because, you know, you, you look at the NCAA rules and all that. They don't want the former players trying to entice anybody from going, especially if you're not a coach or anything. But I'm just talking about a hypothetical. But, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, if he's a defense back or any player. It doesn't matter what player. Right? Any player. Well, and it, it's really, you know what? It's really not a lot. I have to say to him no more than look at the record. Look what's going on. Look at all the guys, you know, from the point he's been here that's been going, you know, if it that's if you want to go, you don't want to go to the next level. And I said, you know, and I would let him know. I said, you know, school is definitely getting your education definitely important. I said, but I would assume ninety nine percent of the guys out here won't they, they they play this because they love the game, they want right. to play the next level. And you got a very, very good chance if you're a great athlete like I think you are, to go to the next level. And you may not have to do but three years. If you're years. coachable. If you coach, yeah. If you're coachable, and you probably won't have to do but three years. And that's and that's that's the, that you gotta think about it. You know, Alabama's getting to the point where it's like the University of Kentucky. They got what the guys come in at freshmen, south when they're leaving, that's what it's getting. You got to do three years in college and you get into three years now, you're pretty much out. And you know, you think about it. You you know, you, he's sending guys first and second round, you know, because I think last year, your full last we had four or five guys in the first round. Yeah. That's unheard of. Well, and, and, you know, being a guy, yeah. young guy coming out, and you got that in your mind that I can go here and produce and do very well, and I got opportunity in three years, and here I am just leaving out of high school. Three years from now, I can be in the NFL? Strong. Very strong. You very. Know, oh, And Coach Saban has got a – you know, with the tutors and the uh, academic uh, support system we've got now, he's got them on track where they can, if they – if they, you know, 
put their nose to the grindstone, they can graduate in three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's got them going year round, and of course, the ones that come in in January of their senior year in high school get that big a jump. And of course, they're on campus nine months before they dress out for the first game, which I think is a brilliant idea, especially for kids that are ready to make that move. I, I tell you, you know, most kids. I, I can assure you that a lot of the top players that's coming out, and I guarantee you, probably the top fifty or whatever the case may be. You know, when you win national championships, that school is always on your radar, no matter who you've committed to, if that school calls, you're going to get the opportunity. You're going to talk, at least yeah. talk to them. Because yeah. I would. You know, if I'm a player, I'm in, in, at, you know, planning on going to USC, and i just seen a game, seen Alabama win. Why wouldn't I talk to them? Say, okay, you know, you know what's going on? You know, you know, especially looking at the position, you know, because you're one of the top players. You want What you want to see, are you able to come in and play as a freshman? And that's what a lot of these top guys, if they can go to that school and play as a freshman, that's a good chance a lot of them that will come there. Or if they know in the next two years, at least they can get on the field. Because if you go into school and, and, and sometimes they're two, three deep, at least three deep, it's kind of hard. And when you're saying, okay, that guy's right here, he's he was All-American last year. We got one, another one right behind him just as good. Would I get an opportunity to play? You know, I had a kid one time to say that to me about a school he was going to. His guy was All-American. And he uh, was a defensive back, as a matter of fact. And he was saying, you know, they got a you know second-string guy that's there that, that's pretty good. They got in as a freshman. He was coming in. I said, well, I told him, you know, I said, do you like the school? He said, yes. I said, well, one thing you got to look at, do you think your skill's just as good as the both of those guys? And he looked at me and said, yeah. I said, why not, why not go compete then? I said, because that's what football is all It's about competing. I said, go there and compete and, and, you know, win position. I said, if you don't win that position, you compete good enough, they may move you to another side or somewhere else. I said, because you will play if you compete well and you, you're as good as you think you are. I said, it's all about competing in anything you do. If it's football, life, work, or whatever, you got to compete because nobody's going to give it to you. You know, and yeah, the the flip side of uh, wanting to go somewhere where you can play immediately and get on the field your freshman year is that if you can do that in a lot of cases, that means you're not playing against the kind of guys that may wind up in the league. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's why uh, a lot of our guys do get drafted these days because they're playing against the kind of people they're going to play against when they get to the league. No doubt. You know, if you're trying to block Dante Hightower uh, in practice, how much different is that from when you get to the NFL? Exactly, because, you know, you have most college teams. And, you know, I, I spoke with someone about this um, about a, two weeks ago. And um, he asked, you know, what was the difference between college and the NFL? I said, well – I said, it depends on what type of team you're playing. If you're playing with a school, SEC or Alabama, if they have uh, within the team offense and defense, and you say on offense you have four or five top-notch players that you know will get drafted, or on defense you have four or five top-notch players that get drafted. I said, you don't find that, you don't find that often in a, in a college team, right. no matter where you go. As you might have three, four guys that's real good on the team. I said, now, that's what you call a top-notch college program. I said, now, when you get in the NFL – Everybody across the board. You got 50-some-odd guys. Every last one of those guys are good. They can now, play. you may have a guy that didn't play in NF, didn't play, it wasn't All-American. I said, but I can assure you the level he's playing in this NFL team, he was good enough to be at another team, probably make All-American. I said, so that's where the difference comes in. You know, and everything that they do in the NFL is just fast speed, nonstop. You know, some college teams, you have guys that's mediocre players. Then you have the guys that's great players. And there's a Big difference in jump between some players sometimes, and you can notice yeah. that. And and I know the Notre Dame has a lot of good players, but last night it looked like there was a big difference. Like we were here 
and they were down here. That's the way that game looked to me. Yeah, it looked that way to me too, to my uneducated eye. And it looked like from an overall team speed standpoint too, there was a difference. Now they had some athletes, but but when you're talking about a 70 or 85-man roster, I, I guess you can take more than 70 to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. But top to bottom, it didn't compare. Oh, no, it, it, it didn't. Because you're looking at player-wise and then – you know, and, and and number one thing, you know, like I can say players play the game, but you had uh, you have a group of coaches over there that did a terrific job in this game, mentally preparing those guys for the game. And you could see it when they came out of the tunnel, when Alabama came out first, and Notre Dame was sitting and waiting them to go out, and just the way the guys carried themselves and had that confidence about themselves. And, you know, and I was kind of laughed at it that way. Some of the guys was like, you know, hyped, and I was like, wow, this is this is gonna be a game here. Yeah, yeah, they they look like they're ready to play. Hey, you know, you, again, you're a former player. You've worn that jersey. You've put that helmet on. You've you've had those white pants with those two crimson stripes on, and been out there, gone to war with your buddies. When you, you when you're a player, you're, you wherever you're watching the game, if you're not there, like last night, what what's that like? What 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 do you what do you look at? What are the things you enjoy about it the most? What are the things you look at? What what are things stand out to you as a as a player and somebody that's an Alabama guy? Well, the thing that stands out to me is is the the way the guys watch after each other. You know, you know, when you're yeah, on that field, yeah. your family and your brothers. You know, you get mad at each other just like Barry Jones and AJ. Hey, that it was, it was a confrontation. You know. You know, you know, one got mad at the other about something, and you know, and that happens. In the heat, that, of, ba- that, in the heat that, of battle, yeah, and, and and that doesn't matter. But yet, and still, you know, in the end, no matter what happens, you're gonna fight for that guy. You know, even when football is all over, you know, I see a lot of guys. I see, hey man, how you doing? Hey brother, hug each other, and what's going on? Because you know, you still look at them like, hey, you know, we've been in the, in, in the midst of a battle before. We we've did a lot of things together. You know. I've wake, waking up in the morning, you know, from when we, when we lived in dormitories at the time, we always have to go to shower, we eat together. You know, it's, it was family. And, and, and that's just the way it is. Even once you get in the NFL, you know, even though guys there are making money, but you still have guys in your team that, you know, you're around every day and yeah. you become very close to that person. You know, either it be their girlfriend, their, their wife, their mom, their dad, and you just know them. And you see them. And then from that point on, no matter what you see them, you still consider them a very good friend or call each other. Hey, yeah, that's my brother. I played football with him. They say, okay, your real brother's like – yeah, you can say that. You know, we 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 you know we played together seven eight years. So yes, you know he's like a brother to me. Yeah, it's kind of like that old thing adage where you you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. Exactly. You know, and the friends you pick because of the place you pick to go, though, and and, and the things you go through. Mm-hmm. That's a bond that's uh, that's a lifetime deal. Oh yeah, because you have guys on the team you're not even friends with, but yet it's still in the heat of the battle. He's your friend in, in that you, game. Hey, when the, when <laughs> yeah. the bullets start flying, yeah. that's a buddy. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you know that, that's exactly right. The uh, and I've talked to a couple of folks about this guys that played. Uh, it always strikes me since I since I never played college football, but I love Alabama. I, I love that uniform, and I always wonder what it's like that last game, that last game you play, and you whether you win or lose, you go into the locker room. And as you're walking into that locker room, you realize this is the last time you're going in as an Alabama football player in uniform. And and what it's like to, to take that uniform off and hang, put it on the hanger. I, I tell you, that, that's that's amazing feeling because you know if you last, you know, you know from the last point you play the stadium thing, or if it's a bowl game or whatever, you think you're saying to yourself, 
I've been here many years playing with all the guys, had a great time, uh, you know, but you always know, you know, well, in the future you will see them again at some of the get you know some more games, but you know that kind of camaraderie you had got with those guys at that point would never happen again. There, so you you know you're looking at, it and that's why a lot of time we see each other right now. We have so much fun. We go to golf tournaments, or whatever, laugh and joke with each other, and everybody bring up things that happened when we played. And then you know some guys that tell you things, you kind of look and think to yourself. Man, why did you bring it up, up that? And why did you remember that? <laughs> why? <laughs> well, but you know, and it, it, the great thing about it is, you know, you could be the fifth string um, offensive guard. Oh, never played a down. That ne- still- that, that's never seen the field. You've been on the scout team for four right. and a half years. Uh, nobody knows your name. They don't know your jersey number. But you got a uniform. You get off that bus at the Walk of Champions, and there's ten or fifteen thousand people standing there. Steel. And you you wear that uniform, and you walk up that Walk of Champions, and all those people are screaming and yelling, shaking shakers at you, and they love you because because you're part of something they love, something that's special. It doesn't matter whether they know your name or not. And that, and that is so true. That you is know, so true. That's a mountaintop. Man, we're just about to run out of time on this thing, but it is so much fun when you come by and we get to hang for a while and talk about it, especially after after that game, man. I mean, you know, it's just it's just great to be from Alabama. It makes it easy to talk about <laughs> when you win. Gracious. Oh, man, what a game. It was just, you know, but uh, we're going to have you back again because, like I was telling you, why you're a starter now on Bama Talk. Oh, yeah, I come back with all my brothers here. No, okay, now. <laughs> well, listen, hey, you know, folks, if you want to win the retirement game, you've got to have a winning game plan, and let's face it, most of us don't have a good retirement planning playbook in place yet. Uh, if you want to build a better financial future for yourself and your family, go to Annuities Alabama. You'll see they can help you with strategies that are safe and smart that'll get you across that retirement goal line. But the game clock's running, and successful people don't procrastinate. So give it a priority to your... uh Give it the priority you and your family deserve and do it today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. By the way, Chris, too, I know you got a lot of things going on here in Birmingham. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um... Just call my, my cell phone number, and I always keep it on. Because I do a lot of things when you know people about to lose the property. Yeah, I'm trying to help them, you know, stop foreclosure, or go in and oh, we'll do a forensic audit on it. Or and I and I buy and sell properties also. You know, and the best way to contact me is two zero five five four zero one seven zero zero. It's amazing how fast our first football season with Bama Talk flew by, and we're as excited as we can be about the way things are going. Thanks to the internet and the podcast format, we can talk about the Tide on a worldwide basis, and Bama fans from far and near can hear it whenever they get a craving for some crimson-colored conversation. We like to say it's always football season for Alabama. There's just a lot of Saturdays we don't have a game. But we're right in the middle of recruiting season with National Signing Day coming up, our back-to-back National Championship Women's Gymnastics team is headed for another season of performing in front of sellout crowds at Coleman Coliseum and national TV audiences. Our national championship women's softball team breaks out the bats in just a few weeks at Rhodes Stadium, where we've led the nation for several years in either total attendance or average game attendance. We're looking forward to the Bama baseball team stepping up to the plate at Sewell Thomas Field, and it won't be long till we can have a little fun in the sun at the spring game with 80 or 90,000 of our best buds. So there's a lot to look forward to and the great thing about the podcast format Bama Talk Show uses is that unlike regular talk radio where you have to listen on their schedule you can listen to any episode of Bama Talk Show anytime you want as much as you want at no charge and at your convenience 
There's no charge to listen, and if you hit that subscribe button, it saves and stores every show, so it's easy and automatic, and best of all, it's free. There's also a free podcast app available, so you can download the show to your phone or your mobile device and take it with you so you can listen while you watch a replay of the BCS National Championship game, or while you're looking at the pictures we post on Bama Talk Facebook page, or while you're driving friends that are fans of other teams to counseling sessions. Uh, we're always looking for feedback and fun stuff for the Facebook page, so if you want to share some thoughts or photos, my email address is steve at bamatalkshow.com. Before we get out of here today, though, let's have a little fun and listen to Eli close out the broadcast from the other night. The celebrations begin. Flashbulbs flashing wildly all around the stadium. Clock is at 6, 5, 4, Three, two, one, Alabama wins! Alabama wins! And it is a crimson tide that has rolled on to South Beach, washing up with it. National championship number 15, Alabama again, the champions of college football. Well, it's time to clean up all the confetti and make some more space in the trophy case. So we're going to head for the locker room now, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide. <laughs>